Well, so as they're journeying their way out, um, uh, let me thank you for the privilege of being able to be here today and open God's Word with you. If you do need a Bible, I have been instructed to tell you to please raise your hand and we will pass them to you. We'll be in a portion of Luke chapter 17, and it would probably be helpful to read along. Um, Maybe before we get going with the Gospel of Luke, and I tell you two regrets that I have from yesterday's wonderful workshop, uh, let me say just a little bit about who it is that I represent here, Pillar Seminary. We are a new digital seminary. We're privileged to serve uh, many wonderful folks from all around the world, including your very own Lori. I do hope that you understand the treasure, the gift that she is, uh, very own Priscilla of yours here Uh, shaping young hearts and minds in just wonderful, wonderful ways. It's a privilege to pour into her. We exist to bring world-class seminary training to anyone, anywhere. So access, affordable access for world-class seminary training is what we're here to do and to provide. We believe the church needs this. And so we tear down the the walls of the ivory tower and we bring seminary to folks uh, all around the world. And it is a wonderful privilege. We have information uh, out in the foyer there if you would like to learn more about us, learn more how you might help us serve folks like Lori uh, as, we, as we pour into her, as she can pour into your, your children and the wonderful families here. So uh, that said, two regrets from yesterday. One is that I am not necessarily the best manager of time, and so get ready for that. I did not get to all of the things that I wanted to get to yesterday, which is what we're going to do here is in some ways put a bow on what we talked about yesterday where we landed in the Gospel of Luke. It'll give all of y'all, I'm from Texas, I say y'all reflexively, it makes me a little insecure to do things like that here. Uh, All of y'all a sense of where we were yesterday and the sorts of things we were getting at that are right in line with your, I saw here your wonderful little informational thing here, your mission to guide people into a flourishing, contagious relationship with Jesus Christ is wonderfully worded and uh, really a, a wonderful mission statement that I think our workshop yesterday contributed to. I hope we could come alongside you and serve you as you work to accomplish that mission. Second regret is that when my wife, Lauren, came up to talk about what we do at Pillar Seminary, I did not specify that she was my wife. I I believe that should have been understood from context, but it was not. And so I said, it is a delight for me to take work trips with this beautiful woman here. And, uh, And I don't think it was necessarily clear that I was married to this beautiful woman, and that's why it was so fun. And so I might have lost a little credibility uh, there that I worked real hard to build back. I did not even know that was a thing until that was brought up at the end of the workshop. So uh, yes, that is my wife right there, and I am delighted to be here with you. We, as Lori said, looked at how big and how beautiful the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God actually is according to Scripture. So we spent some time first looking at Jewish context, context from what we call the Old Testament, and then as well spent just a little time looking at Greco-Roman context. The story the Bible tells, the true story of the world, makes absolute claims on our life. It is true or it is not true, and we are either correct 
in following and adhering to this story and worshiping this Savior Jesus, or we're insane, is pretty much what the Apostle Paul says in Corinthians. There's no neutral ground. And so we looked at a competing narrative from outside Scripture and invited, we were invited to consider the claims that the gospel of the kingdom of God, that Jesus is Lord, that through Jesus, God has begun his reclamation project for the entire cosmos. It has begun with Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection and ascension to the throne. So where we should have landed, had I been a better steward of time, was these stories here in Luke chapter 17, where uh, we are able to take a bit of a deeper dive into what it looks like to live faithfully, loyally, allegiantly with Jesus, what it looks like to follow him, to be bound to him, to cling to him, to serve him well and effectively. And it comes in a real opportune moment in the Gospel of Luke when Jesus and his disciples are journeying to Jerusalem where he will be crucified or crowned. He will be crowned as king right before he ascends to his throne as the Gospel of Luke ends. And he teaches them a few particularly difficult things along the way. First, chapter 17 begins where he talks about the, the, the seriousness of sin and our obligation to each other to care for in the context of this body of Christ, this community, each other and not cause each other to stumble. This is stress and anxiety inducing for the disciples. And then it kind of leads into the next thing that Jesus says, where he says, there will come all occasions for you to need to forgive each other. And you can almost hear the question, well, okay, that's fine. How many times, Jesus? And he just says an irresponsible amount of times, too many times to count, more or less, which prompts one of the disciples to say, oh, increase our faith. Help me with this impossible thing. It's wonderful how this section ends in the, towards the end of chapter 18, where Jesus declares, in fact, uh, it is not possible with humans, but with God, all things are possible. And in between this section, there are a number of stories that uh, Jesus teaches about and that Luke collects for us that show us, it's like a beautiful gemstone. Each of these stories and then all of them together, you kind of twist and turn. And as the light refracts, it shines a bit differently down there and you're able to see, oh, this is also an element of, of what faithfulness looks like. And this is what I can do to practice being more faithful and to grow in my faithfulness to Jesus. It's a real fascinating collection of stories. So we're going to just talk through a few of those and then I'll read here. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. We're going to talk about a story that's unique to Luke, the 10 lepers being healed. But before we do, let's just track with Luke as Jesus responds to the disciples, increase our faith, strengthen our faith. And as often the case with Jesus, he doesn't answer the question or respond to the query or the request, he reframes it oftentimes, a lot of times in the Gospels, we're asking the wrong questions of Jesus. We're framing things a bit differently. And so he, he, he reframes it here. And when they say increase our faith in verse 5 and 6, he says, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea and it would obey you. Faith is not a thing. There are often ways that we popularly conceive of faith, but scripture pushes back against those and helps us build a, a bigger, more robust vision of what it looks like to respond rightly to the God revealed in the scriptures and indeed in the very face of Jesus himself. It is not credits that you collect and then expend so you can do something awesome. You don't need but just a little teeny bit for wonderful things to happen. And that's not because it's 
because you make it happen. It's because of what faith is. It connects you to the source of power, which is Jesus, who is doing these wonderful things. And so he, he reframes it like that, and then he tells a story about servants who work for a master, and the punchline is, and that's you, knuckleheads. You work for me, and you don't expect thanks for do, just doing your job. Uh, you serve me, and you obey me. And so this increase our faith begins with this strong reframing of what faith even is, and then some humility, the kind of humility that's required to follow Jesus faithfully. Don't expect praise and glory. You don't, you don't serve me for that. You serve me because I'm worthy of being served. I'm your Lord and master. And so stay in your lane as one of the first fundamental lessons of faithfulness here is just do your job. Put your head down and humbly do your job, which is a wonderful reminder for all sorts of contexts. And now Luke gives us this next story where Jesus continues his journey to Jerusalem. It's a story I'm sure many of us are quite familiar with. We're going to do a bit of a slower reading, and I'll try to bring out some of the delightful storytelling that Luke uh, employs here. There's wonderful ambiguities in this story that leaves us for this punchline that as a first century Jewish audience and even a Gentile audience, it would have been a, a bit of a punch in the gut and kind of a, an eyebrow-raising moment here. And then Jesus pronounces something after this punchline that's going to give us Depending on who we are, where we are, what our context is, what our proximity is to this Jesus, King of the cosmos, whether we claim to follow him or not, it'll give us some challenging things to think about. And I will try to not step on toes. I don't really understand this culture way up north here. I will let you do the work of applying this story in your context with your home groups and uh, various Bible studies and, and such. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, so he's starting from the north. We know from the Gospels he starts in Caesarea Philippi way up north and is journeying on his way down to Jerusalem to be crucified. It doesn't take all that long, but Luke spends 10 chapters. And Jesus, it's not that he gets lost, but he takes his time and meanders around and he shows up down south and he's back up north. And here he is on the border between uh, Samaria, the Samaritans, Boo Hiss, and, and, uh, and Galilee. As Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, so let's stop just here for a moment, there is no DMZ between lands. There are no towns, and we have one of these in my state, half of one in my state, that crosses a border, shares a border. We have the glorious Texarkana, a little bit of Texas, a little bit of Arkansas, and right down the middle has got the state line dividing it. There were no towns like that. And so Luke is kind of playing with us here, leaving us to wonder, is this a Galilean town? Or are we in Samaria? What's happening here? And you can just kind of feel him winking. I tried to wink there, but I'm not the best winker. Uh, as, he, as he tells this story. So we don't know. And this creates beautiful storytelling tension here for the punchline that, that we all know is coming, but we're trying to recreate some of this. As he entered a village there, where? Who knows? Ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Our translation for the idea of leprosy is not quite 
most of the time what we think of as leprosy. Uh, it is just any number of skin conditions that render someone physically contagious or spiritually contagious, depending on the holy, sacred space and the purity laws. And so for the sake of consideration and not infecting others, they were separated from their people, their community, and in a communal culture, that's it. It's basically condemned to die because you were taken out of the world you knew and left on the fringes and were told to stay away. You were prohibited from coming anywhere near the temple, presence of God, uh, and worshiping in that way. You were cut off from life. And so here these ten have the audacity to A, beg Jesus for mercy, and B, the wherewithal to realize that maybe this is a fellow who could help us. So the word's out, and these these folks take a leap of faith here, these 10 lepers, and whoever knows where we are, are they Jewish, are they Samaritan, we may never know. Just kidding, we'll find out in a moment. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. This is a prayer that uh, all of these stories have, there's often a point to a story, but other times they're just, again, these beautiful refractions. You find yourself gravitating towards a detail. This is a powerful way to pray. (laughs) Lord, have mercy. A wonderful example. And again, depending on where we are, just, just soak in these beautiful details and allow the Spirit of God to work here on you as we encounter the Word of God together. He looked at them and said, go, show yourselves to the priests. Jesus the walking temple presence of God, as we come to find out, was not terrified of being infected. We find all through the Gospels that, in fact, it's quite the opposite. He doesn't need to be protected. Darkness and malignant forces and malevolent powers need to be protected because Jesus infects with his holiness and with his purity. And he he will touch, he will move towards, he will walk through, all of the spaces that were taboo, and it's a beautiful example, and, and it just, it, 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 it's chill-inducing when you understand the, the, the audacity of Jesus to, to respond to these people in the ways that he does. And here he says, uh, absolutely, go show yourselves to the priests. And they went, and immediately as they turned, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Another little sideshow here with the Samaritans, Buhis, and the Jews is that they were, they hated each other, by the way. I don't know if this is worse than Packers fans and Vikings fans. It is definitely akin to Cowboys and Eagles fans, though. Uh, That's for sure. So um, they hated each other. They actually, the Jews, about a century before this, tried to wipe them all out, destroyed their, their temple where they worshiped their true Israelite religion. There's real, it's kind of like sibling rivalry here, and the Jews considered the Samaritans almost half-breeds and just vilified them. And Samaritans show up in some wonderfully key moments in Luke-Acts, this story about the salvation of God for all peoples. As, um, as well, Anyway, so we don't know what temple they're going to. We don't know what priest they should show themselves to. That's beside the point for Jesus, however. We know in John's gospel, for example, he tells the Samaritan woman in Samaria, it doesn't matter where you worship. What matters, what the Father is seeking is those who worship in spirit and truth, directly connected to me. There's some of this going on here too. So wherever they are, wherever they are going to go to show themselves to the priests, 
as soon as they turn, they're healed. Just an incredible moment, and one of many incredible moments here. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting. So bear in mind, again, this is a story in the context of increase our faith. These are faith-filling, faith-strengthening stories that show us what faith is and what faith isn't by positive or negative example. And here this fellow turns around, uh, coming back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Record scratch. Bow, bow, bow. Right? That's, this is, and now we don't like this story anymore because it's a Green Bay Packer who's the hero of this story. Right? It's, it's one of those things. Do we have, uh, I understand there's something going on today that is of some importance. I'm not really sure. It's not a big deal to me. It's the NFC North. Who cares? So, but one of the things that this and so many other stories uh, is able to accomplish with the, the, what we find out is the protagonist being the demonized, villainized bad guy, it, it pushes back against our categories. Again, we're, we're holding this beautiful story up and, to the light and we're turning the gemstone. And we're, one of the things we find this doing, it, we need to learn these lessons along with the disciples as we go. In chapter 9, 951 and following, they thought, hey, Jesus, are, are you like Elijah? Because the Samaritans just rejected us. Can we call down fire and explode their town? And Jesus rebuked them and said, man, that's not who I am. That's not who you are. That's not what my mission or agenda is. Knock it off. Then he tells a story to the, to the young lawyer who challenges him in Luke chapter 10. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy's like, check, I got it. So who's my neighbor? And he says, well, it tells a story about the good Samaritan, the Samaritan being the one who crosses over social boundaries in order to love your neighbor. He's the good example in this story. The Samaritans, we're not done with them yet. All the way in Acts, Philip is able to preach the good news to the Samaritans in Samaria, and the Spirit descends, and we have a, a mini Pentecost there in Acts chapter 8 as well, on the way to the gospel being proclaimed freely, Jew and Gentile alike, by the end of Acts. And so this is one of many moments, but it, it, it's meant to, to provoke, to push back, to shock us in some ways. And it also compels us with our own tendencies and prejudices and proclivities it, to ask who, who are the loathed outsiders that Jesus will reach out and touch and is calling us to do the same as we seek to be faithful as we follow Jesus. So this may push us out of our comfort zones and invite us to consider who are the outsiders? Who are the ones that are despised and cast to the side in your context here in, is this Egan? Greater Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, who are the Samaritans that Jesus is heading straight towards and that you as a faithful follower of Jesus are called to head straight towards too as well in touch? who would not otherwise be welcome in these places of worship. Jesus goes to them, so should you. This is one of the many wonderful things that we're invited to consider, a challenge to consider. I say wonderful, it's really terrifying and, and deeply convicting, but it, it is one of the things that, that Jesus, 
of the Scriptures by His Spirit here present with us today would have you consider and, and ask of yourselves here. That's not, we're not done with the lesson of faith here. He falls at his feet thanking him for what he had done, and this man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Jesus makes a connection that this man had already made, but Jesus wants just to make sure we understand. One of the most fundamental expressions of faith that this man shows is that recognizing that in the Jesus of this story, he has encountered nothing less than the God creator of the cosmos. And this is fundamental to what it means to increase your faith. This is where it begins. And so you may find yourself, as we're turning this gemstone, not really sure what to make of this Jesus fellow. And it is a wonderful occasion to be invited to consider that when we encounter the Jesus of Scriptures, who is now king of the cosmos on his throne, we are encountering nothing less than the face of God. And the right response to him is what all of this hinges on. And here this Samaritan is able to make this connection and see that these wonderful things that have happened to me and all of these others is nothing less than God himself moving in and through you, Jesus. And praises God and thanks Jesus for his work. And this is a fundamental faith-increasing connection. It begins and ends, rises and falls on our right understanding of who Jesus is and our right response to him. And this is modeled for us. And so you may be invited as you encounter the Jesus of this story by his spirit present with us to fall on your face before him and praise God and declare him as your Lord and master as the beginning of this response. That's another wonderful thing. Didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Foreigner, by the way, is a little sarcastic here. Jesus is, it's a derisive term. Uh, and he's, he's playing into their prejudices. Of course he wouldn't expect that, but he did. And shame on all of the rest of them. And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. This is one of, as I have said, many little stories here that show us more and more what it looks like to rightly respond to Jesus, inviting us in, depending on our own context, to consider what the Lord would have us do. Another one of these things is simply gratitude. This man returned and demonstrated thankfulness and gratitude in a way that I am often guilty of not practicing gratitude. I can be a little bit of a grump. I know that may surprise you. And everyone is always the problem except for me. And of course, Jesus is going to do wonderful things because that's what he does. And I I am guilty oftentimes of taking things for granted. I know I'm not alone in this. You just presuppose uh, these things of the Lord. And, And this is a reminder for many of us that it may be time to begin practicing more and more the spiritual discipline of gratitude in our worship and thankfulness and declaring the good works of the Lord and the assembly, as the psalmist would say. So it's another wonderful component of what it means to be faithful and follow Jesus here. I, I, uh, I always, when I read this and think about gratitude, I think of my mom and her lessons for me, um, which are legion and never-ending, still happens all of the lessons, but growing up she used to absolutely traumatize me by whenever someone would do anything remotely to me or for me, she would interrupt and say, and what do you say, Daniel? And I'd go, mom, I was about to say it. You didn't let me speak. 
And I uh, find myself using the same manipulative technique with my children to uh, reinforce this discipline of gratitude. It is not natural. It's profoundly unnatural. Um, but it is a wonderful, well, I say that. I'm from Texas. It's not natural for us. We're, we're um, a little bit different from Minnesota nice is another thing I learned this uh, trip up here. There's all kinds of things I learned about you people. And uh, uh, Minnesota nice, and you go to the cabin, and Packers, and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Juicy Lucy. I can't walk right now from my Juicy Lucy yesterday, by the way. Okay, so all, all that to say, here we are at the end of this story. It, it is an invitation to read through the rest of these stories and to consider what else Luke might be suggesting. This is a piece of a conversation here. All the way through to the end, uh, 1830, with the story of the rich young ruler walking away sad. When Jesus encourages his disciples after they say, we're doomed. If that guy can't be saved, we're all hosed. And Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. And this, these stories of faith from many different perspectives, and some are parables, and some are real, and some are things that happen along the way, and some is just good teaching of Jesus. Keep reading. Keep asking yourself this question. Keep finding ways that you here together with the people of God, with his spirit, can respond more and more rightly to the Jesus of scriptures, more allegiantly, more faithfully as you go. To move this generation from culture to kingdom is your vision, and it was really inspiring. I, I love this. These are the sorts of conversations and practices and habits that it's going to take to accomplish this mission and beautiful vision here. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. This is my very unsubtle cue to the musicians to come up now. And I will pray. I was instructed to pray for five minutes so that they could have enough time to set up. I'm just kidding. We will um, wrap up here with that, and I, I, I do hope whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever your context is, that you, as you've been maybe reintroduced to this story and the Jesus of this story and the characters in this story, have been given some tools, some things to consider as you journey with Jesus, the King of the cosmos, and that your faith may be strengthened as we go. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Jesus, King of the cosmos, we thank you for what it is we get to encounter here in these pages, these wonderful, magnificent pages with your life, your teaching, the things that you did, uh, your death, burial, resurrection, ascension to the throne. Jesus, you are Lord. We declare it. We beg of you to help us increase our faithfulness to you, increase uh, our trust in you. Give us uh, by your spirit and press upon us ways that we might develop and uh, grow as we follow you more and more effectively. Lord, I ask as well of this church in this context that you would continue to bear good fruit through their labors. You uh, continue to be well pleased in the ways that they serve you and that you would help them to successful to bear fruit and their desire to be on mission for you and to see others come to come to the same. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.